Well, this is the final sermon in this series, and I know uh, some of you have really enjoyed learning more about these hymns that you've been singing uh, since you were a child and learning more about them and, and realizing that our hymnody really ex- shows our theology, what we're about. For others, you just can't wait for the next sermon series to start. <laughs> You've had enough of this Charles Wesley stuff. And so I already mentioned that next week is Confirmation Sunday, a great celebration. But the following week, I'm going to start a five-week sermon series, a new sermon series that is really drawn from my years in ministry. People have asked me a lot of questions, a lot of pain-filled questions, and so we're going to look at five of those as we enter into it. Questions like, does God make mistakes? Or how can I know God's will for my life? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Does the divinity of Jesus really matter? And also a question such as, how can I believe in a good God in a world that appears to be so evil? And so I hope you'll be with us. And as always, just like the sermons in this series that ends today, they'll be posted online. You can catch them uh, whenever it's convenient for you. But this sermon series has been called Sing Me the Truth. Tell me what I need to know about grace, about love, about sin, about salvation, about fellowship, about discipleship, about mission. Sing me the truth. And so we began with, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, which was to commemorate his come to Jesus moment. We sing about grace, but it's also a song with a call to discipleship and a call for inclusivity. We continued with ye servants of God, and it was a call for all of God's people, people of faith, to keep doing what is right, even if, especially when, you're being persecuted for it. And we know that that John Wesley was dragged down the street by his hair, that there was rumors that was being spread about them, that things were being thrown at them, that Methodist homes were being vandalized, but he said, always look a mob in the face, keep moving forward. We continued on with, and can it be that I should gain? One of my mom's favorite, it's going to be sung at her celebration of life. And we know that it's one of the hymns, it's all first person. It's all about me. It's all about I. And, and that's why it resonates with so many people. But we stand in awe. Who are we that God would do this for us? And so just last week, love divine, all loves excelling as a guide for how we can live our Christian life through prayer and through uh, mission work, through all those good things. But we come today to rejoice the Lord as King, which we've already heard. And as I read some texts from the Bible for us, maybe if you were paying attention to the words that we were singing or were being sung to us, they'll ring a bell. Psalm chapter 24, verses 8 through 10, who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. A little bit later in Psalm, Psalm 97, the Lord is King, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. And then hundreds of years later, there is this letter written to a group of Christians who are trying to figure out what it means to live together in in a, a community of faith. 
these few words. And so would you read Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 with me out loud? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Matt, we're getting beat over the head with this rejoice thing. It doesn't just work like that to be told to rejoice and then say, oh, okay, now flip the switch and now I'm rejoicing. It's hard. On a, on a morning when I woke up and it was cold and raining and I had outdoor plans. I don't feel like rejoicing in the midst of a pandemic. I don't feel like rejoicing when I feel like some of my freedoms have been taken from me. I don't feel like rejoicing with the images that I'm seeing on TV. I don't feel like rejoicing with all this unrest. I don't feel like rejoicing ever in the year of a, a presidential election because of all of the things that, that were just being thrown at us. And yet, friends... We have much to rejoice about. There should be a lot of joy in us. Rejoice, the Lord is king. But I want to kind of throw in another one of Charles Wesley's hymns in our look at this today because they, they complement each other so well, especially on a day in which we're going to have the opportunity to receive communion, and that is the song, Come Sinners to the Gospel Feast. 24 stanzas were in the original one. You know how long it would take us to sing? We could feed communion to the entire village of Whitefish Bay over 24 stanzas. But come sinners to the gospel feast. Let every soul be Jesus' guest. You need not one be left behind, for God hath bid all humankind. This reminder that, yes, we come because there is this offer of salvation to all of humanity. Now, some of our friends are from a Calvinist tradition, which believes, no, there's only the, those who are predestined, only those that are the elect, and that's not as large of a number. But a hundred years ago, a Methodist preacher said, whosoever will, I love that phrase, whosoever will, they are the elect. Whosoever will not, they and they alone are the non-elect, the free will any sinner who comes to the gospel feast expecting to receive this gift is a recipient. There is not a limited guest list for heaven. There are no ropes with bouncers saying, oh, we're full up right now. No, it is open to all. Whosoever answers the call receives the bread of life and the living water. I think Jesus was trying to convey this. He was a great storyteller, and he told the story of this, this man who is God in the story, but a, a great man who was going to throw a feast, throw a feast, and, and he wanted people to come, and, and the one who was helping him get all this ready uh, looked up, and, and the man said, okay, everything's ready. Go get the guests. Bring them in. But one by one, those guests came up with an excuse as to why they could not come. And when that event planner came back with no guests, the host was hurt. He said, tell you what, go out into the streets and you invite anyone that you see. It doesn't matter how downtrodden they are. It doesn't matter if they're in an alley. Anyone who needs a square meal. Misfits are welcome. Homeless are welcome. The wretched are welcome. Bring them in here. And so the employee went and did as the host asked. And he came back and said, I did what you did, but there's still room at the table. And so the, the host says, well, then go out into the country. Go out and gather anyone and everyone that you can. That's the kind of thing that, that God has extended to the world. And that should be cause for rejoice. 
It doesn't matter what kind of stupid things I have done in the past. It doesn't matter the way in which I have hurt myself in the past or or hurt others in the past. What matters is I give myself to receive this invitation right here, right now. I can always start again, and when I do, it starts with a feast that has been prepared for us. Come, sinner, to this gospel feast. Ye who believe his record true shall sup with him and he with you. Come to the feast, be saved from sin, for Jesus waits to take you in whosoever will. Friends, we acknowledge who we are and we come. But one of the things that, I don't want to say it amuses me or I don't know if it troubles me, but one of the, I've, I've served communion to lots of people over my time in ministry. And it's shocking to me how so many people come forward as if they're going to a funeral instead of going to a feast. I get that we're tra- coming to be penitent. We're coming to, to acknowledge that that we are washed clean with this, but shouldn't that be a sign for rejoicing? I kind of think that when we have communion, we should really be dancing up the aisle to receive this free gift that is there for us. There's another hymn in the hymnal that is about communion. I come with joy to meet the Lord, forgiven, loved, and free, in awe and wonder to recall his life laid down for me. And so as we sang, rejoice the Lord is king, your Lord and king adore. Mortals give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice. Rejoice, again I say, rejoice. And so Charles Wesley scholar S.T. Kimbrough tells a story about being at an airport, an airport, and you know those airports have shuttle buses that take you from terminal to terminal. Aren't those things fun? You know, you're wrestling with your bags and everything, and, and even now, some of the newer, more fancy airports, they have the trams, but it's still a journey to get from one where to the other, and it seems like you never have enough time just to get there. But this was a bus. And this man got on at the very first terminal, the very first stop, and was going to go all the way to the end. And what he realized was that when people got onto the bus, when the bus would stop and people would get on, almost everyone who got on that, that bus was, let's just mildly say, unpleasant. Unpleasant. A lot of airport complaining that was going on, complaints about the trips, complaints about the airline services, complaints about delays and cancellations, complaints about the food or the lack of food. All these complaints, people would get on. And with every announcement then that the bus driver made, he did something interesting that the man who was the first one on the bus thought was interesting because everyone was upset when they got onto the bus. But the bus driver would get over his loudspeaker and he would say, Hello, folks, this is your happy bus driver just telling you how fortunate and lucky you are to get on and off this bus. The next terminal is... When they got to the last stop, that man who was at the back of the bus said there was not one unpleasant person left on that bus. The driver had changed everyone's unhappiness into joy. And friends, happiness breeds happiness. You heard Sue uh, had that little note in her hymnal, the hallmark of Christian behavior is joy. The Christian life is to be an exclamation of joy. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. 
the first and last word in this hymn is rejoice. Do not be low-spirited. Do not be brokenhearted. Do not be downtrodden. Do not be a complainer throughout life. Be joyous. Joy breeds joy. We gravitate to people who are filled with joy. It is infectious in all the right ways. Rejoice, the Lord is King. It was originally titled Rejoice Evermore, but the question is, are we? And so you've been very patient. You've been very kind. No one has thrown anything at me yet. No one's got up and walked out. But maybe you're thinking, okay, Pastor Matt, that was pretty vanilla. Where's the challenge? Having experienced this sermon, what is there to discuss? What questions did this message or does this hymn actually raise for us? How does this message make a difference for me as I leave this this house of worship and go back into the real world, the stresses of my work or the family life? What difference does this make? I hear your questions. Good questions. But let me ask you a question. If you would have been the person, or if you were a person, to get on that shuttle bus with those who know you best, your family, your best friends, or those who work with you, or the stranger on the street, or the person waiting either in front of you or in back of you at the line of the grocery store when you have 25 items in the 20 items or less line. When they look at you, and they understand this bus, what would they say about you? Would they say that you have a tendency to be more like the bus driver? Or are you more likely to be the one who gets onto that bus with your negative energy, your woe-is-me-isms? And so let me ask you a second question then. What needs to happen from the time you get on that quote-unquote bus until the time you hop off at the last stop that is going to enable you to hop off rejoicing? Only you can answer that for you. But I leave this sermon series with two stanzas from Wesley. My message as from God receive, ye all may come to Christ and live Oh, let his love your hearts constrain, nor suffer him to die in vain. This is the time, no more delay. This is the Lord's accepted day. Come thou this moment at his call, and live for him who died for all. And if we are truly living for him who died for all, there's going to be a lot of joy and happiness and rejoicing, come what may. Amen.